Bubbles Podcast. My name is Kelly Bubbles, and welcome back to the second Sunday of Easter for the week of April 16th, 2023, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we are in this Easter season. We have made it again. We are still continuing that Easter season. We need to celebrate this. It was a long time getting here, and especially in the part of the world in which I'm at, it seems like now we potentially are starting to have spring, and that's something really exciting. I know a lot of the other parts of the country and around the world have been having much different temperatures, but I know for me, it's been a long time. We've had a lot of snow up here. We've even gotten snow as recently as like a week ago, and then all of a sudden for Easter, we were getting a lot of sunshine, and we're forecast to even have more and more heat, and it's just kind of this huge shift, and especially as we're in this Easter season, I think it's appropriate because in a certain ways, it's us recognizing and acknowledging the change that has happened because of what Christ did for us. And so many people, I think in so many ways, we don't spend enough time actually celebrating this and really recognizing the power of what this is. And so it's a season that's worth celebrating. It's a season that's worth spending some time with and a season that's worth enjoying and recognizing what God did for us. But before we jump into this week's text, we have to reflect back on what was last week, which was the question for last week was, where have you seen the impossible become possible? And one of the great examples that was brought up this last week was how if we look at the Apollo 8 missions and what was all going on with early space exploration, it is pretty amazing in and of itself to recognize that that's something that was done, that we were able to explore space and beginning to explore space, and especially with the early computing power that we had at those times. If you've watched a movie like Hidden Figures and seeing how much mathematical equations were used and how, at that point, computers were very primitive and how far we've been able to come, not only with our computing power, but being able to make it look like space exploration is a real thing. One of the other things I really enjoyed this last week is we got a comment in one of the Facebook posts that we had this last week, kind of building off of some of the things we talked about last week, talking about flight, in reference to the Wright Brothers' first flight was less than the length of the fuselage and less than the width of the wing set of the Boeing 747 airplanes. And this came from a friend of mine who is huge into airplanes. I knew you'd enjoy last week's episode, and it was super awesome to hear his expertise being able to be shared with us. So if you haven't checked out the Facebook pages, there's both a Facebook podcast group and just a regular more of a business page. I'd highly recommend checking those out. There's a lot of content that gets dropped there throughout the week. So it's exciting. And I'm really excited about this week as we can continue in this Easter season. So let's just jump into it. The first reading this week is out of the New Testament, Acts chapter 2, verse 14a and 22 through 32. This is coming from a moment where Peter is acknowledging the crowds. This is fairly shortly after Jesus has been raised. This is, you got to remember that Acts is basically Luke part two. And so he spends then verse 22 through 32 acknowledging who Jesus was and 
recognizing that he was put to death and was raised, and then linking that back to the promises that were made that David had said that the Lord was going to be doing these different things and that the Lord has not forsaken Israel, but yet here the Lord had given David as a prophet to acknowledge what was happening and foresaw what was going to happen, that out of that bloodline of David was going to become the Messiah and this recognition of who the Messiah is and witnessing to that. The psalm that goes with this this week is Psalm 16, all 11 verses of it. And this is acknowledging that what the Lord has done for us, that the Lord has given the Lord's life, or in this case, will give the Lord's life, but it's this one who will not lead us astray type of idea, this instructor, this guider, this one that we spend our lives chasing and pursuing as the path gets laid out in front of us and recognizing that that is then what we're pursuing and going after. The second reading is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-9. through 9. And this is yet again acknowledgement of who Christ is. I feel like these a lot of these first and second readings this week are ones that didn't quite make it for Easter Sunday, so we'll throw them the week after Sunday. And this is acknowledging the who Christ was and that our salvation came from that and rejoicing in what Christ did for us on our behalf and recognizing that that is what Christ had to do in order for our faith and our salvation to happen, this freeing of ourselves because of what Christ did for us. The gospel text this week is out of John chapter 20 verses 19 to 31. This is a text that we always get the week after Easter. This is lovingly known as Doubting Thomas, which I think there's a little bit deeper meaning to that, and we'll get into this this week. But here we have the disciples are all together in the upper room. Jesus appears among them and says, peace be with you. He shows them his hand and his side. The disciples rejoice at seeing them. They are so happy. Jesus then breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Unfortunately, Thomas, who is called the twin, is not with them. The other disciples tell him about this, and he gives this famous line of, unless I see the marks of the nails in his hand and put my finger in the marks of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples are gathered and Thomas is with them. Jesus appears. Jesus then goes up to Thomas asking for these, put your fingers in the holes in my hands or put your hand in my side. Thomas comes with my Lord, my God. And then we get from verse 29. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. And then we get the end here of John's gospel. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But they are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that through believing, you may have life in his name. So this recognition then here of John's gospel not being a complete work, it's supposed to be something supplementing the other gospels that are there. It's something to be working with them in, and it's kind of fun that we always get the end of John's gospel. But before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug. 
working preacher, if you have a difficult working preacher, I'd highly recommend it between the Sermon Brainwaves podcast, the commentaries, the discussions. Since I'm that ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help bring you this podcast, and there's some great resources over there. So if you have a difficult working preacher, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I really like how they lay out the text each week, along with having the art, the hymns, the colors. If you haven't checked this stuff out, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Green Blades Arising publication and the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable. Each of these resources are amazing. They have a monthly newsletter, which is their publication, which gives events, occasional event notices for the upper Midwest and beyond. And I'll attach the links to email them if you're wanting to join that, along with their preaching roundtable. I really enjoy it because, again, not only talking about different things going on in the upper Midwest, but on ecological echoes, implications, and urgencies, and preaching the weekly lectionary. If you're listening to this podcast on a weekly basis, I'd highly recommend checking out the Green Blades preaching roundtable. I find it super, super awesome, and they've been a great partner with me in our ministries. The final thing I have to do a shameless plug for is something that's going on at Gus Davis Adolphus College this summer. And if you haven't checked this out, I'd highly recommend it. And that is the Gus Davis Academy of Faith, Science, and Ethics. It brings high school students from across the country to learn amongst top scientists, theologians, and activists at the intersection of faith and science. They work together to find solutions to some of the world's most pressing challenges while having fun doing it and creating an open and non-judgmental space for questions and community. Think Bible Camp for teens who are excited about science and justice. So this summer, they are super excited to explore insects, climate change, and the intersections of creations. They're going to do a deep dive going into the growing impacts of bugs on the environment, the land we live on, and the food we eat, and more, and experiencing hands-on learning in ecology and theology, discovering how faith and science can work hand-in-hand to create a more beautiful future for our planet. I'm really excited about this. I am in discussions that I will be there in St. Peter, Minnesota during the week of this amazing camp, which is June 17th through the 23rd, 2023. So if you have a high school student or you're a high school student yourself, I'd highly recommend checking out the Gus Davis Academy for Faith, Science, and Ethics. And I'll attach the links for that down below. We always get this lesson The week after Easter, the doubt of Thomas, the time where we look at Thomas and we question, oh, Thomas, you of little faith. But I really don't think that's what we're here to talk about and to look at and critique and try to make ourselves feel better that apparently because we're on this side of the cross and know how the story plays out, that we have such a stronger faith than Thomas. And I think a good example of this in right now is quantum computing. How many of you have spent time researching and understanding what quantum computing is? Anyone? I will tell you, and I'll admit this last week, I didn't know much about it until this last week. But it's something that we've kind of overheard probably in conversation. And we look at it as probably something that is this bigger computing and is more powerful. And that is the case, but that's not entirely the case, if that makes sense. 
And in order for us to get into this and then link on how we get to Doubting Thomas, we need to explain a couple theories within physics. So hang with me. There are two big things within physics that we need to understand to understand quantum computing. First is the idea of entanglement. Entanglement is where we have two particles so closely connected that the state of the particle depends on the state of the other particle. So think of it as like if there were two atoms that were so connected, no matter how far apart they were, they would move in sync together and whatever they one would do, the other would do, copying each other's movements. And this has been something that has been worked on. And in 2022, the evidence of showing that this is a reality was a reason to give a Nobel Prize. So this is cutting edge of how this entanglement theory and how this all works within particles is huge. The second thing to understand is superposition. And superposition is the ability to be in multiple states at the same time until measured. So the example being if you've ever heard of the thought experiment of Schrodinger's cat, where you have Schrodinger's cat within a box that you can't see. And the cat is both dead and alive at the same time because we don't know what state the cat is in within the box. If that makes sense, then we can start getting into what quantum computing actually is. So classic computing is what you are probably listening to this podcast. In fact, I know you're listening to this podcast on deals with bits. And in a bit, it's either on or it's off. It's a zero or a one. That's all. Everything that we see from the internet and the broad web is coming down to zeros and ones, creating this long chain of zeros and ones to create what we see, what we hear, how we absorb what we see as the internet. Quantum computing, instead of working with bits, works with qubits, and it deals then with superposition. So instead of it being one or zero, it can be both one and zero and everything in between one and zero all at the same time. Then when if you take that qubit and entangle it with another cubic, who again who is working potentially with superpositions, you are able to get more potential results and have these be able to sift through results to get deeper meaning. Another example of this that I heard was from Chloe Abrams, a YouTuber who was working on a series called Huge, if true. I attached the links down below. She worked with Marquise Brownlee, MKBHD, on this talking about how quantum computing works. And they kind of explained it this way. If you think of yourself in a video game, when we first get in the video game and we're trying to explore the land area, we're walking around. Then we got beginnings of early computing. And the way that we are able to explore more and more of this land is through understanding of math. Well, once we started having early computers, we were suddenly able to get onto like a horse and thus allowing us to be able to see more and more of the land. In doing that, we were able to accomplish things that we weren't able to do before, but there were still plenty of limitations. 
Well, as time continued, we got better and better modes of transportation to be able to get around this land, thus getting to cars and being able to move faster and being able to get to more and more places on land. But around us was still a vast ocean, and we hadn't really figured out how to get to that. That's more quantum computing. And think of this vast ocean, instead of being like a ship to go around on the ocean, they used the example of a submarine. And that it allows us to keep going deeper and deeper and seeing the depths in which they were able to explore with computing and being able to see how far we were able to get. And that's what quantum computing is able to do. Now, we are still very much in the early stages of quantum computing. And one of the big things that it's being talked about with is if we are able to get enough cubics into a computer, it would mean that our encryption systems or all these different passwords and stuff that we use and that's encrypted is going to have to be redone because if we think of quantum computing, because of the superposition that we're having states in, again, being within a range, it makes it super fast to be able to crack passwords because it can be in all the different positions, figure out what all the probable results are to be able to spit that out to be able to crack passwords quite easily, which then already has the national government, at least here in the United States, looking at how do we make quantum encryption to be able to protect resources for the future. But the super awesome advantage to what quantum computing is, is because we live in a world that is quantum, not binary. It's a world that has multiple variables at once, all going at different rates all at once. So having complex simulations like nature through quantum computing becomes more possible because it has this variety. And so these questions that were thought to be impossible now become possible because we have more compute power. Like the thought of us being able to get to the moon was near impossible before computers, near impossible. We were close, but it took a lot more work than it does now on the math side of things because computers are able to generate and work through these problems so much faster and it wouldn't take the lifetime that it would have, say, during Aristotle or even a generation or two before computers coming into the scene for space exploration and everything else. So right now we're in this story, this timeline of trying to get so that we have more qubits to be able to have more variables, to be able to have more standby. Right now, the, we are trying to figure out how to get so that we have these qubits become more stable so that they're able to actually work for a long period of time. And the cobblerance time is the other variable that we're working on, which is how long the computer can hold these superpositions to be able to look and compute all the different information. At the moment, we're able to only do it for short moments in time and hoping that we are able to get it so it can hold longer, so thus being able to process more to be able to get better results. What does this all have to do with Doubting Thomas? I think this has a lot to do with what Thomas is talking about. When we talk about quantum computing 
It's really hard for someone in my situation that is hearing this and I do not have a deep understanding of physics, nor do I have a degree or have a deep understanding and deep knowledge and deep learning of quantum computing. My understanding of basic computing in a lot of ways is fairly basic, is exactly that. I know how to use the operating systems, but what is going on behind the scenes is still very basic. So to be able to come to me and talk to me about something on quantum computing, I grasp only a bit of it. It's such a drastic change from what I can understand and can get my head around. Thomas has spent three years with Jesus and everything that he has known has been turned upside down now twice. First, the promise of the Messiah has been something that Thomas has been hearing his whole life long. And to suddenly have somebody coming and saying, I am the Son of God. Now, we don't get this in John. We get that in the other three Gospels. But we have somebody who is doing all this stuff that causes the people to question the whole time, is this the Son of God? Is this the Messiah? Is this the person that we have been looking for, longing for, that has been promised to us? So when Thomas doubts, Jesus responds with, have you believed because you see me? And then blessed are those who have not seen but yet have come to believe. This idea of how Thomas is still stuck in this first question that Thomas has been wondering and questioning, is this the Messiah? And it's like here in the final verses of John that suddenly he gets that reassurance that yes, this is the Messiah. Jesus at this moment is almost now trying to say to the disciples, yes, I thought that was very evident that I was the Messiah. Now the question is, do you not understand that I just died and I have come back and what does that mean for you? Thomas is still dealing with the first question. Jesus is getting frustrated that Thomas is not grasping not only the first question that Jesus has spent the last three plus years trying to help Thomas understand. But is also trying to say, now I have done what others have seen as impossible. And it has been impossible because it's impossible for mere mortals to be able to do what I have done and I have conquered it for your sake. Thomas can't grasp this. Yet even the disciples have a hard time, I think, grasping this. The idea of, okay, Jesus is back. Do they understand what we know is coming, the ascension that will be coming in a period of time? Or are they stuck with, all right, Jesus is back. Jesus is trying to have them receive the Holy Spirit, move into that next phase, move into that next part of the understanding of what God is wanting them to grasp. It is like us trying to understand classic computing on the cusp of quantum computing. Quantum computing is not going to totally eradicate classic computing. There are certain things that classic computing does way faster. For instance, 1 plus 1 equals 2 is going to be much faster on classic computing because it's binary. It's this equals this. This equals this. Where quantum computing, that isn't the case. Thomas is still looking at things from a classic perspective, is trying to understand the basic fundamentals on how all this stuff works. 
Jesus is challenging him to move beyond this classic understanding and start dabbling within quantum, dabbling in this idea of all these different things affect each other, understanding that the Holy Spirit is coming down upon you and it's going to affect everything in your life and is now going to be the guiding force even though I'm not here, and that we're all one but still also separate. We're going to show you new sides of God. You've been understanding, okay, cool, God of the Old Testament and God who we have understood is the creator, and then you sent your son. And that took three years for the disciples to kind of fully get their head around that, okay, yeah, this is God's son, which is still God. And then Jesus drops the hammer here in John of the Holy Spirit is coming. What is that? Oh, it's another part of God. They don't even understand the gift at which they're being given at this moment. They don't even can quite comprehend what does it look like when Jesus now is, he's back, but he's not going to stay there. They're excited that Jesus is back. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm trying to prepare you for now the Holy Spirit coming. This movement towards something new that's going to be greater. Quantum computing and us being able to do simulations out in how the world works in ways that relate to how the world works in a more meaningful manner. And again, I'll attach links down below if I'm still not doing this justice on how to explain and understand this. But it's trying to push us forward. Jesus is trying to push us forward. And here we have yet another moment where the disciples, just like us, struggle to understand what's actually in front of us. One of the things that I've really struggled with in the last couple weeks, and I'll try finding a short video clip and attaching it down below, is we had the hearings for TikTok in Congress and listening to how our government leaders have such a basic understanding on how the internet works and how mobile networking works is scary. And as somebody in my early 30s who I would say is a techie, but there is so much that I cannot grasp. But I at least can understand the basic fundamentals on how a Wi-Fi network works at a most basic level. And listening to how different representatives from around this country struggle to grasp that idea is concerning. It's concerning to me because... How then can they really make decisions that affect the web well when they don't understand the basic fundamentals on how it's actually working? And thus, when I look at how tech companies and stuff are moving so much faster than where the laws are able to keep up because they're so far behind in their understanding, it makes me feel very similar to what we're seeing here. And it makes me question within our own faith, where are we like that? Where are we so fundamentally basic that it holds us back from what God is trying to show us? That's the question for this week. Where is our understanding so basic that it holds us back from what God is trying to show us? I think that's one of the things that's so important for us to work on and realize is that God is still trying to teach us, that God is still trying to reach us. God is still wanting us to learn, whether it be through using quantum computers, having them at super cold temperatures, some of the colder than space to be able to run these mathematical equations, 
to open up doors to maybe understanding in the quantum realm, our quantum world and how things work. Understanding there's lots of shades of gray, not binary, where it's either a yes or no. I think that's important for us to work with, to understand, to grapple with. Thomas sits there for a period of time just trying to grapple with, is the person that I've spent time with the last few years really the promised Messiah? And Jesus reappearing and saying, do you not understand what I thought you understood? I don't have the time to keep elaborating this. I'm trying to give you something and help you understand the next phase of who I am. I think it's one of the things that in life we all wrestle with. We get stuck. We don't want to grow for whatever reason. We get to our camps and we stay there. And the unfortunate part is, is that that doesn't allow us to grow. And if we aren't growing, we're stuck like Thomas and making outlandish claims where suddenly the Lord has to reappear for us to understand the basics. What would it have been like if Thomas just had the faith at that moment to continue forward? Say, that's awesome. Can I join you guys so I can hear more of what Jesus has to teach us? Instead of the immediate casting doubt. But the reason I feel that it's also here is it also shows that our human nature is constantly in doubt. Constantly, we question. As we've talked about even the last few weeks with how AI is popping up and all these different questions that we have now. What is real? I think Thomas gives us a glimpse that it's okay for us to be at rudimentary positions, but also expect for us to keep looking forward beyond where we're at to try to understand where God is moving next. Because our basic understanding of how things work could really be holding us back from missing a greater message that God is trying to impart to us. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.